So, how's your week been after last weekend? So we stepped up, the call was to step up, to stay up, and on the last night it was to stand up. So that's my question today. So how have you been spending your time this week? Have you carved out time for God like you did the week before? Have you stayed up there in the high places that we were talking about? Or have you come down the mountain a little bit? And do you need to go back up again? And um, I've been thinking about um, standing up. And what does it mean to stand up? And how do we stand up? And just to look practically, I'm going to give you a testimony from my life, something that happened. But Steve, he, Pastor Steve was talking to us about a strength that comes out of the secret place. So if you want to stay strong, you need to stay in fellowship with God. You need to stay in tune with him. You need to spend time with him. That's how you stay strong. So the stepping up part is really important. Um, he, he challenged us to change our posture as a church, didn't he? And, you know, when we sit, sitting is very relaxed, isn't it? You know, when we sit down, you almost sometimes disengage from what is going on. You know, you sit down in front of the television... Uh, Joe says the quickest way to make mum fall asleep is to put an ac action movie on. Uh, <laughs> and I fall asleep really quickly. But you know, we do, we relax, don't we, when we sit down. But the word to us is to stand. And standing is very proactive, isn't it? It's, we're ready. You know, it talks, doesn't it, in Ephesians 5 about standing and and when you have done everything else, to stand. So we need to stand. He also talked last weekend about being militant and warring. And I found it very interesting that he was coming with that word after what we had done three weeks ago now, when during our family service we walked around, we marched around this building, didn't we? as a whole church, and we declared that the barriers were coming down. The barriers uh, that have affected our finances, the barriers to uh, integrating with the community, and the barriers to seeing Studio 4 finished. And we declared that those barriers were coming down. And then, the following week, I stood on the stage before I preached and call, called Alan up, didn't I? Because I said, it's time. We're standing here and we're saying, it's time for everyone to come. Are you going to come with us? And I thought, wow, last weekend when he talked about, you know, coming up and he had us all come up again, didn't he? To step up and it's time to stay up. So I think there's a little bit of a theme there. God's saying something very specific to us. And we have a choice now as to how we're going to proceed as a church. And I was thinking about um, 
my life. Because when you look at me now, you probably see a very confident person. I don't stutter. Um, I don't mix my words up most of the time, although I do forget words occasionally. And I forget names. <laughs> we have a joke. I even forget names of people close to me sometimes. So please don't be offended if I forget your name. I try not to. Um, but I was a very, very fearful person. And so fearful that I wouldn't take things back to the shop to get them changed. I, so if I bought something and it didn't fit or it wasn't right, I wouldn't go back to the shop and change it. I was scared of what somebody would say or what the response would be. I wouldn't answer the phone without praying. I didn't like answering the phone unless I knew who was ringing me. And Alan would come home from work at my worst, worst times when we were first married, and he would find me in a corner curled up in the bathroom in tears because I genuinely thought I was a failure, that I was no good, that I couldn't do anything, and I was useless. And the enemy had me completely chained up with fear. And fear is horrible. If you, uh, if you are a fearful person, then you'll understand what I'm saying. But it, it, it affects everything. It affects all your decisions, what you're going to do, uh, where you're going to go. Because all the time you think about fear and um, how it affects you. And when Alan and I first came and planted the church up in, here in Manchester, I was quite happy to stand by Alan's side, uh, but not do anything. You know how you talk about the wife supporting the husband, so um, I would be quite happy, I'd be that support. You know, if Alan's standing here, I'd be that support behind him, praying, but I would never lead a prayer meeting, I would never preach, I would never, you know, even in a small group, I found it really difficult to say what I thought. But I want to go back to um, something that happened to me uh, in the church prior to here, when we were down at Kingdom Faith Church. Because I've been a Christian for a long time, since I was six. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was six as well. And I spoke in tongues for the first time when I was six. And I prayed for the world to be saved when I was six. And, you know, God put a lot of stuff on me as a six-year-old, which I didn't fully appreciate at all because I was six years old. But somewhere along the line, fear got into my life and I became a very, very fearful person and when uh, I'd had Rebecca and you know when you're passionate about God when you're passionate about something somehow God in you rises up higher than anything else when pressure is applied and I remember when I used to go to school uh, there was one particular situation. I was in a home economics class, we used to call it, you know, like cookery class. And the tables are very big, aren't they? Because you cook and make at those tables, and they were very huge. And somebody opposite 
said to me, Claire, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yes. And they said, well, tell me about it. So right in the middle of this class, in order for her to hear here, I had to speak loudly. So that, that thing inside, God, not really a thing, but, you know, God rises up, doesn't it? And without you doing anything, when somebody asks you, I don't know about you, but I can't deny God. If somebody says, tell me about God, or tell me about being saved, or am I going to hell, which I was asked by a 14-year-old once, and as a 14-year-old, I replied back, yes. Because <laughs> you don't really mince your words when you're 14. But I then explained why. But I ended up giving this person opposite the, on the table in this home economics class the gospel. But I got so caught up in telling this person, I didn't realise that the whole class had stopped and was listening to me. And somehow, even when you've got a weakness, when you're put in a position, you can't deny Christ. And, and the Spirit of God wells up inside of you. And when um, I was in my 20s and I'd had um, Beck's, Still a very fearful person. I wasn't set free from fear at that point. Um, very fearful person. I was sitting in church just like you guys are sitting in church. I was, I was never up front. To sit in the front row here was an absolute nightmare. You know, my dad might have been senior pastor, but there's no way I would have sat in the front row I wanted to disappear into obscurity in the back or sit with my friends. I didn't want anyone to notice me at all. And I was sitting just like you guys are, and the pastor, uh, it wasn't my dad, it was somebody else who was the congregational pastor, was preaching about there are things here that God wants people to do, and God's going to begin to speak to you about what to do. And at that point, I really felt that God said to me, I want you to start a mother and toddler group in the church. And then he started to give me some vision. And he said, I don't want it to be for the mums in the church. I want it to be for the mums outside the church. And I want you to use it as an evangelistic tool. Now, when God speaks to you, you can start to find a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do what God is saying. Does that happen to anybody else? And I started to look for those hundred reasons. And so the first thing I thought was, I'm going to go and speak to my mum, who's a very godly woman, and she will correct me if I'm wrong, or she will confirm. And I went to my mum, and I said to mum what I felt God had said, and my mum laughed. Have you ever had anybody laugh at you when you've said about something God's asked you to do? And my mum laughed, and I now realise, I didn't realise at that moment in time, 
But you can be a really godly person, but when somebody you really know comes and speaks to you, you can forget to include God sometimes, and you just think naturally. So my mum looked at Claire, who was quiet and shy, and didn't say boo to a goose, and wasn't doing anything. She was at home with two small children. Also, I'd had nothing to... Well, I had done some women's stuff, but it wasn't really my thing. And she looked in the natural. And we have to be really careful when somebody comes and says to us what's on their heart to do, that we don't look in the natural. And so, because she laughs, a nice little laugh, not a horrible laugh, a nice little laugh. But immediately, I thought, okay, that's it, I'm not to do that. So, for a year, I did nothing. But I want to tell you that that year was the most torturous year in my life with regards to whether I was obeying God or being disobedient to God. Every Sunday, I would go to church Every Sunday I would sit in the congregation. Every Sunday God would say to me, Claire, what about that group? What about that group that I want you to start? And every Sunday I'd go home going, no, 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 no. But God's voice got louder and louder and louder. And eventually, after a year, I was like, the only way to shut God up is to do what he's asking me to do. Do you ever feel like that? I'm just going to be really open and honest here. Because if we're going to step up, stay up and stand up, then we've got to be really honest with what God is saying to us and asking us to do in our lives. And so I went to a lady in the church who was over the, all the different women's things in the church at the time, And I shared with her my vision. And she listened and she said to me, okay, I will need to go and speak to the pastor about it to see what he thinks. So in my head, I was right, phew, at last, I have actually said it. Now it's totally up to the pastor what he says. I can go home and be at peace. And if he says no, great. I've got a nice, quiet life ahead of me. So she goes to the pastor and tells him, and then she comes back to me a few days later, and she said, the pastor says, no, you can't. So I thought, okay. But I went home, and in here, in my spirit, it was agony, because it was like, why has he said no? Why has he said no? This is God, this is God. No, he can't do that. So I went to her and I said, what what did you say to him? And she didn't share the vision. All she did was share that I wanted to start a mother and toddler group. She mentioned nothing about it being evangelistic, nothing about it being for other people. And the pastor thought all I wanted to do was do a group for the mums in the church. That's why he'd said no. So there's another top tip. If you have a vision... You are the best person to communicate that vision. 
Don't go to somebody else and say, can you go and speak to the pastor on my behalf? You come with the vision because you carry the vision. You carry the passion and the excitement for that vision. God has given it to you. So you need to come and bring that vision. So all the time, I was trying to stand up, but I was fighting fear. I was fighting people who didn't understand the vision. And then I encountered something I never thought I'd ever encounter. I booked an appointment to see the pastor myself to go and see him. And as I arrived that morning, they had an early morning meeting, every meeting, the team. And it was a very large team. And the Spirit of God had come in such a way that everybody was laughing. And I drove up and I saw all these people spilling out of the building, laughing their heads off, uncontrollably. You know where it talks about in Acts how they look drunk? That's how they all looked. But they were all just intoxicated with God, laughing, and so was the pastor. So I parked the car and kind of walked sensibly because I, you know, I'd not been there at the early morning. I'd taken my kids to school, uh, playgroup or drop them off something because they were too young, playgroup. So I could go on my own. And I went and I sat outside the pastor's office and waited to be called in. And eventually I was called in and I sat down and he sat opposite me and he laughed. He just, you know, he uncontrollably laughed. And so I sat and I waited and he kept on laughing. And I sat, now I was really, you've got to understand, the courage it took me to go into that room was immense. I mean, I was just so nervous. And then to sit there and have the pastor uncontrollably laughing, for me, was the absolute last straw in the events that had taken place. And as I sat there, inside, I was getting more and more agitated. But the passion for what I felt God was saying and the spirit man inside me was just welling up and eventually just overflowed. And although he was uncontrollably laughing because of the spirit of God on him, I kind of rose up and I almost yelled at him the vision because I was so cross that he was laughing. So I shared with him, and as I began to share the vision and my heart and passion, and it was not for the women in the church, it was to reach out to the community, suddenly he completely stopped laughing, caught hold of the vision, and went, absolutely run with it, go with it. Now, I hope I never laugh at you if you come to me (laughs) with something or I control myself beforehand. But you know, when God comes, you can't really do much about it. And, but 
so I then went away, and I was excited that he'd said yes, but then I suddenly realised what that meant. So here I am, fearful Claire, who won't say boo to a goose or talk to anybody or do anything, suddenly given permission to put a team together to launch a brand new ministry in the church. And I was petrified. And the only way I could do it is I went and spoke to different people I knew who I felt, mums with young children, and I spoke to them one-to-one and said, um, uh, pastor said that I could do this. Do you, do you want to come and be part of it? And one by one, different people said yes. And I never even spoke to the whole group together until the very morning we started because I just, to me, it was like so scary to do. So... I'm trying to say, you know, you, you could come up with a zillion excuses. God might have slayed something really amazing on your heart. And God wants you today to really stand up in what he's called you to do. And not to lay back, not to sit back, not to allow things to prevent you from fulfilling what God is asking you to do. And we started this group, and right from the beginning, I had particular things, had every, all the equipment had to be brand new. We, everything, there was a Bible story time. We didn't sing any nursery rhymes. They were all Christian songs that we sang. But in, our, in the area, it became known as the most excellent place to go, mother toddler, because everything worked, there was nothing broken, we deliberately prayed against cliques, we had parents sitting on the floor with their children interacting, my team were told you need to go and speak to these unsafe people, and week after week they came and it grew and it grew and it grew, because it was a place, and they would say there's no cliques here, it's really peaceful here. They'd hear Bible stories. Their children were singing these songs at home. We started to see mums get saved. And that group still goes on now, down in Horsham. And they have about 200 families that they reach every week through this group. Now, other people came and made it more excellent but through the obedience of one in starting something, it enabled it to grow. And so maybe you're a starter. Maybe you're, God's put it on your heart because he knows that you're bold enough to go up to the pastor and say, hey, pastor. But he's got a whole load of other people waiting in the wing who are going to help and take it over because God calls us to work together with other people. But if I hadn't been bold enough, maybe God would have spoken to somebody else. I don't know. But God knew who the right person was to get that thing started. I wasn't set free from fear for a number of years after that, till I'd moved up to Manchester. And I've got, I've got loads of different scriptures here to, of, of examples of 
of things that prevent us from standing up. But I've probably touched on a number of them already. But I want you to think about what stops you from standing up. You know, for me, fear stopped me first for that whole year. Disobedience stopped me. You know, if you think about Moses and, you know, when they, they fought the battle against I, was it against I and, and Aaron and her held up Moses' arms. And every time his arms came down, the battle started to lose. The Israelites started to lose. But when they lifted his arms up, they started to win again. And you know, sometimes we can get really weary in what we're doing. And we need to help one another. We need to, as a family, work together with one another so that we help people not get weary. So like the Sanctuary Project, which reaches out on a Thursday and a Friday to the people who come and sign on at the reporting centre over there. You know, Pastor Sheila and Dave are doing an amazing job. And sometimes they need people to come along, come and volunteer and help lift their arms so that they don't have crazy days. But they've got other people helping as well. And sometimes we can get really weary doing good in what God has called us to. We need to grab someone and say, I need you to stand with me. I need you to help me. And that's how, as a body, we all work together so that we enable things to happen, ministries to flourish. I was thinking as well about uh, Peter and John, you know, in Acts 3, verse 6, where they turn to the beggar and they say, silver and gold have I none. Sorry, I always think of a song that I used to sing when I was a little girl. Silver and gold have I none, but such that I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. <laughs> so, but I was thinking about the words. We always concentrate, don't we, on the fact that he turns and he says, rise up and walk. But Peter, he starts by saying, silver and gold, I don't have. I don't have money. And I was thinking about this. And if we're not careful, one of the areas that stops us standing up is the thought process, we don't have money. We don't have money. How can we stand up? How can we do that ministry? We don't have money. I'll tell you what we do have. We have amazing facilities here. We have next door. We have here. There is so much that can happen from here. All it needs is people who are prepared to stand up and go, yes, that's me. The detached work on a Thursday night takes time, takes an evening of your time, but it is a way to really stand up. You know, the community, they're beginning to know that World Harvest Bible Church is here. And at the end of the day, if the community don't know we're here, what are we doing? But they're beginning to know we're here because of the work that 
Becky and Alyssa, Pastor Becky and Alyssa are doing through the detached team. So has God been speaking to you about being part of that team? I think it's only about three hours time a week. That's not long in the grand scheme of time. Do you need money? No. But somehow the enemy has this thing of going, you don't have money, you can't do it. You know, when Alan and I, to go on a date night for Alan and I, sometimes we have to be really imaginative. And some people think that, you know, if you say go on a date night, right, let's go bowling, oh, that's money. Let's go for dinner, that's money. Let's go to the cinema, okay, that's money. Right, I can't do anything. Right, I'm going to sit at home and not have a date night. No, if you're really imaginative and you're really passionate about wanting to have a date night, you go, let's go for a walk. Let's go and, uh, out and walk around the quays and look at the lights. That doesn't cost any money, does it? But you're still spending time one-on-one with your husband or wife. But somehow money keeps you like this, doesn't it? If you don't have money, it keeps you like this. I can't do anything, I don't have any money. And God wants to say, look, you don't need money to do what God is saying to you to do. We would like some money, though, to do next door. (laughs) I'm going to get get told off for this sermon now. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is don't let money, your personal finances, hold you back from fulfilling the call of God on your life. Because I tell you something, Alan and I wouldn't be preaching if we did. But we're passionate about the gospel. We're passionate about you. We're passionate about you fulfilling the call of God on your life. So, stand up. Jonah, he was disobedient. He said, I won't. But what about I can't? Have you ever said, I can't? That's something I said. I can't. I can't do that. How can little fearful Claire start a mother and toddler group? How can I do that? But somehow, the Spirit of God, and you know, in you, in you is the Spirit of God. In you are seeds of ministry. In you are words of eternal life. In you are appointments that God has got lined up for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to actually grab with both hands what God is saying to you to do? You know, when we first moved here, and we uh, moved to Manchester 16 years ago, whenever it was, 16 years ago now, um, Alan and I were on our own, and, but we came with a prophetic word about this being our area, this is our place, put a stake in the ground, so we bought our house. But like every couple under pressure, Alan and I would argue, and we didn't have a pastor to turn to at the time, so we would pastor one another, which was interesting at times. <laughs> But sometimes I was so frustrated 
with, with where we were, I would get into the car. I wouldn't even tell Alan I was going. I would leave the house. I'd leave Alan and the three children in the house. I would get into the car and I would drive to drive all the way back down to Horsham. And I would drive down Barlowmore Road and I'd get to the traffic lights at the bottom. And if you turn right, you're then on the A, what is it? 550 something rather. Going out of the city and there's a big sign that says you are now leaving Manchester. <laughs> and I would get to that traffic lights and the Spirit of God would rise up in me and go, Claire, if you go right, you're going to be in disobedience because I've called you here to this city. And I can't tell you how many times I tried to leave this city in anger and frustration. And I would get down to those lights and I couldn't turn right, nothing physically, I just couldn't do it. And I would turn left, go round the block, park the car, get back in the house, and Alan didn't even know I'd gone sometimes. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> when there is a, 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 a passion and a desire and a, and a you know in your, what's that thing about you know in your knower, but you know, you know right inside, this is what God has called me to do. There's nothing that will stop you. You can try and run away from God, but personally, I don't want to find myself in the belly of a whale. <laughs> you can try and run, but God, he just so wants you to fulfill the call on your life. He so wants you to live in amazing blessing and favour. He so wants you to walk in the authority and to fulfill that plan that he has for your life. He will do whatever it takes to find you and to grab you and to pull you up out of the mud and the muck and the mire that you might have got yourself into because he so wants you to worship him with your life. That's standing... That standing that, that you allow, you know, that praying in tongues, you allow God to rise up on the inside of you so that no matter what, you don't run away, you don't stop, you just keep pressing in for what God has for you. You know, we were reading, weren't we, from um, Acts, uh, Acts 8, about, well, Acts 7, about the stoning of Stephen this week, weren't we? And in Acts 8, right at the very beginning, it says that from that point, the church in Jerusalem, they started to be persecuted, and it caused them to be scattered through Judea and Samaria. And on WHBC Daily, I was thinking about it, and I put, I can't help but thinking a little bit of persecution is good. because it caused the gospel to go out. So if you're in a situation at the moment where you're being persecuted, you're finding it difficult, you know, you just think about what happened to the guys, the early Christians and other people getting thrown in jail and counting it all joy because they got thrown into jail. They were going, wow, I got thrown into jail for God and came out praising God. Have you ever done that? 
It's made me think more about what I'm rejoicing about. You know? Woohoo! The enemy is attacking me. I'm doing something right. But I want to live in victory. I hope you got the heart of the message here. But it doesn't matter who you are. Don't go, oh, it's okay for you, Pastor Claire. I tell you what, I wasn't like this. I was a fearful, Joy will tell you what I was like. She knew me beforehand. Fearful, shy, quiet person. Yet, God put something on my heart. You know, let's go back to something that Pastor Steve reminded us all of, you know, about the supremacy of Christ, the, the Almighty One. He lives in you. He lives in you. You know, I say that the minimum deposit in you is all of Christ. Everything. He lives in you. In you, you've got the ability. In you, you've got every gifting. You've got everything to fulfill that call. You don't lack anything, you know. God uses different people, different characters to do different things because he knows what you need to accomplish that call. So don't ever belittle yourself. Don't compare yourself to the person here. You know, when I first started... I'll tell you another story here because Alan's not here. When I first started to service lead, Alan used to say to me, Claire, Claire, don't forget, bounce up on stage like Pastor Julie. Do this like Pastor Julie. And in the end, I turned around and I said, Alan, I am not Pastor Julie. I am Claire, and I have to be me. And so I've had to learn. I don't compare myself with anybody else. You know, and neither should you guys. You've got a call on your life, and, you know, I want to be inundated with visions. You know, some are probably ready to be birthed now because you've been carrying it for so long, you've just been waiting for Alan or I to say, come and tell us. But some of you, maybe it's just a little seed. And what's happening today is it's being watered as I'm speaking the word. And you're going, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can stand up in that call. I'm not going to sit back anymore. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to fulfill what God has asked me to do. You know where you are with God at the moment. I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to communicate with him in order to, to fulfill what God is asking you to do. Your relationship with God needs to be strong. It needs to be the most important thing in your life. That no matter what, you carve out time for the word and for prayer. No matter what, you say, God, I'm stepping up in my relationship with you. And I'm standing up. You've called us to be a victorious church. So I'm going to act like a victor. I'm going to act like a victor because you've called me to be victorious. Lord, show me. Show me when to find that time. Show me, Lord. Reveal yourself to me. Speak to me. Your words. Whisper to me what you want me to be involved in. 
Show me, give me wisdom, Lord, with that seed that you've put in my heart. Now, if you know you have a seed, you just pray and say, Lord, I know you're beginning something here, and I just pray that you water it, that you bring me alongside other people who can help me, show me, reveal, show me scriptures, Lord. Maybe you're, you're, you're busting, you're so ready to burst what God has laid on your heart. Father, give me boldness to go and speak to the pastor. Connect me with other people because I know I can't do that on my own. But Lord, most of all, for all of us, we all, we all want to stand up and we want to stay standing. And when it's the last thing that we can do, we're going to stay standing. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to shrink back, Lord, because we're too passionate. We're too passionate for you. We're too passionate for what you want to do through us and through this church. We're not going to shrink back. We've heard the call. We've heard the call to stand. And we're going to stand. We're going to stand in what you've asked us to do. We're going to stand. You know, there's two pictures that God has given us as a church over uh, recent years. And one is about a lighthouse and having the light that just shines around for all to see. And the other one is of a clanging bell that clangs and it's a call. It's a call. We're here, we're here, we're here. And we declare now, here in Salford, Media City, that we are here. World Harvest Bible Church. And just name your name, Claire Morton. You name your name. I'm here. I'm here making a stand today for you. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. I'm not going to take any wrong turnings that take me back to the past. But I'm going to keep on this pathway. Strengthen me, Lord. Enable me, Lord. Forgive me for any disobedience. Just repent if there's any disobedience in your heart. And just repent of any disobedience, Lord. And today I make that decision to obey you, to count the cost with joy, with joy, just like Jesus endured the cross. Woohoo! I'm going to endure with joy because my reward is in heaven and I thank you Lord